This is Killstreak. Deadheads and Irish immigrants living off the coast of Delaware. <laughs> this is Killstreak. I think episode 152. I can't remember actually. Oh dear. Doesn't matter. You're already listening to it. You know what this is. <laughs> I'm Eric Goslin. Joining me here as always, Mr. Mike Price. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing okay. It is 152. You All right. It. Yeah. Nailed it. Um Yeah, I'm okay. Uh Been- what? It's been rainy as hell here in in L.A., which is... It has. I've always toyed with moving to the Pacific Northwest because it's <laughs> beautiful there during sure. the summer. Sure. Um, it's a nice be... compromise of weather between where we... The types of places where we grew up and here. Yeah, but then when it rains for like a week in L.A., I'm like making nooses. You know? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Got that knot down. Yeah. Just got to find something that'll support my weight. That's all. Um, anyway, so <laughs> what is that like? What's the like with ships? The stuff that's like it's like rope made of of metal, right? Like <laughs> yeah, braided. yeah, yeah. Like cabling. Yes, um, cable. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so we're talking about George A. Romero's Survival of the Dead. His final in the his final movie. Yeah. And period. Period, uh, and also the final in the Living Dead series that we've been covering. Tis. Um, hey, did you watch anything this week other than Survival of the Dead? I well, have a couple. Y- yes, I did. Um, I only kind of half watched it, but last night as I was uh, doing some work, creating a lighting plan for a Renaissance period piece I'm shooting at the end of this week, I. Uh, I watched the film Death Spa. Oh yeah, Shutter. I've it always was, i i wanted, I've always been curious about that one. It was um, it was what I wanted. It was not like a hidden gem. Yeah, it was it was exactly what it it you know it presents itself as, which is a movie about a haunted gym in the eighties. Um, Love important, some of that. Yeah, important to note. It is from the eighties. It is not one of these. Uh, 80s throwback movies that are all the right. rage on Shutter, where every single poster slash thumbnail has the same color scheme and one of like four fonts. Yeah, um, which yeah. I'm I'm starting to tire of. I'm starting to get tired of the pink and the blue and all yeah. that. Yeah. Also pisses me off because I feel like they're all just jacking the aesthetic from from beyond. Uh huh. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. But anyways, Death Spa was, uh, it was a stupid sort of ghost slasher, um, but there was, as I had hoped, uh, a lot of hard bodies in, in neon spandex and Hell yeah. and a healthy, a heaping serving of nudity. 
great. Um, and lots of steam rooms and saunas and 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 a guy gets killed by what is it like the butterfly? Yeah, yeah, the uh, check the the chest, pet, the yeah. chest. Um, oh, I know the name of it, but I forget. Yeah, I think of it as the butterfly. Peck deck. Peck deck. Yeah, guy gets uh guy gets killed by a haunted peck deck. It's pretty <laughs> fun. I might have to watch this. Yeah, it's a real good, like, I pay 60% attention, and I think mm-hmm. if I had tried to pay more attention, I would have liked it less, so it worked out pretty well. That's cool. I watched um, a found footage movie that I got a, a Twitter follow from, or I don't know, I just saw tweets about mm-hmm. it. It's called The Outwaters. Mm. Um it's really cool. I would recommend it. It's like if you felt like the Blair Witch Project didn't go far enough. Okay. And or but you still like the or or if you thought Skinnamarink was a little too obtuse. Mm-hmm. Um this but still has a bit of experimentation. Um uh, this one is pretty cool. It's pretty scary nice. and um I will I mean, you know, it is the last 40 minutes are basically shaky camera in like okay in, in, in like you know a pinpoint flashlight pointing at stuff you can't really tell what it is mm. but the um the sound design is really cool and yeah i don't know I, I i recommend it it's it's for it's a rental right now so i don't know maybe wait till it comes out on streaming i think it's on screenbox which i not quite Screenbox. sure what that is. Okay. Terrifier was also on Screenbox. I don't all right. All right. It's like a Shutter competitor, I think. Hmm. Um. So that was cool. And then my wife wanted to watch Megan because she hadn't seen it. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we fired that up on Peacock, and partway through, it gets to a kill, and I was like, I don't remember a woman's face melting during this mm. scene. And then I looked and it was the unrated version. So there are both versions. I okay. just happened to click on the unrated one. Um, and yeah, so that was really cool to see. It's not like extremely gory. It's more yeah. bloody. Yeah. Um, like for instance, there's an elevator kill, not to spoil Megan, but there's somebody dies in an elevator, yeah. which I remember in the movie being bloodless. Yeah, it feels almost like it had been edited down a little bit. Yeah, and it's way bloodier, and they must have used an alternative take, an alternate take, because there's like lines that happen after where someone's covered in blood. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, if you haven't seen Megan, or if you have seen Megan and you enjoy it, watch the unrated version because it's gives yeah. you that little bit of edge that is sort of missing sure. in the PG-13 version. I'm excited about that. Kenda hasn't seen it yet, but she wants to. So we'll It's a ton of fun, man. We'll watch I, that. It's so yeah. fun. I like Megan a lot. Nice. Cool. Well, uh, anything else you want to talk about you watched this week? I don't think so. No. Right. I watched Emily the Criminal. That was good. That's not a horror movie, though. <laughs> uh, is that an Aubrey Plaza? That's Aubrey Plaza, yeah. Aubrey Plaza and I have a, we have a weird relationship. Because I feel like uh, she's never bad, but I am also actively disinterested when I find out she's in something. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm the opposite. I like her. I did like her in White Lotus season two. She's mm-hmm. good. But uh, no, I just find her. She's like a bellwether of a certain type of indie. Yeah. Uh, kind of. I don't know what, but it's like it's it's like a little bit like a stay away kind of thing for me sometimes. I know what you mean. Um, I remember seeing her live. Mm-hmm. It was oh, what was it? 
Maybe it was like yeah. a tournament of the nerds or something like that. Def, Sh- Def Jam Comedy Hour? It was Def Jam com- Comedy Hour. Okay. <laughs> uh, she was very filthy. No, um, <laughs> she was, I, I was at a UCB show and she yeah. did almost nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't really get her. <clears throat> sure. And also on Parks and Rec, which I never really watched, but when I would see, I'm like, I don't know. But now mm-hmm. I think she's. Really, I've come to appreciate. Yeah, but you also have a crush on her, so it's complicated. Sort of, not really. Sort of. I don't know. She's not I've heard exactly my type, but she's. I've, I mean, I've heard you is. say some pretty depraved things about Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> no, that's yeah. not true. Yeah, I repeated a line she said on White Lotus, <laughs> which I was like, "Ooh, well, now we're talking." <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, that's. Fine. Um, I mean, she's very beautiful. Don't get sure, me wrong. Sure. But she's. Rem- she, uh, to quote Mike Price, she's a bit skinny for me. I mean, yes, this is true. Um, okay, well, let's pivot then to this, the last of the Romero zombie movies, the last of the Romero movies. No, I want to objectify women more. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. How about that, uh, what's her name? Athena Carcanis. Is tomboy. she uh, Jane slash? Oh, her. she's tomboy. Tomboy. Yeah, yeah. She's beautiful. Yeah. May I, all right, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Her introduction is fucking crazy. <laughs> a little crazy. Something that could only be written by old men. Yeah. Uh, I felt, it really felt bad for her. All right, I just, spoiler. I think she's decent in the movie, but like, yeah. I just felt bad for her for that opening. It's so weird. I agree. Yeah. It's just for me. It's like I can't watch that opening with her and be and and remove, you know, separated in my mind from the fact that, you know, that was written mm-hmm. by a man who was sixty nine years old. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's just like with giant fucking glasses. He was and, just like, yeah, she's masturbating. Yeah, Anyways. and on a, on another level too, I'm like I am put myself in her shoes, and it's mm-hmm. I don't know where that was shot in the shooting schedule. Yeah, but I ima- it's the first thing you read in the script about mm. your character. Mm-hmm. So I imagine she's excited to be in the movie, but then she's like, oh, I have to do this masturbation scene. Which yeah. isn't graphic or anything, no. but it's that's just like a level of act. Like having to pretend to come on camera <laughs> is so. I don't know. I in an I just army felt jeep. You know? Yeah, in public, I felt I just felt bad for her. Like I put having to make her do that. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm with. Maybe you it was there. her idea. I don't know. <laughs> I doubt it. Let's <laughs> let's hope. Let's pray. Um. Okay. So this movie. Um, was released in 2009. Uh, so what? Our timeline here now, they're coming, they're coming fast and furious. Um, we, had, we had very healthy uh, breaks between the dead movies up to a certain point, right? Mm-hmm. So, so let's just do a little retrospective. We've, we've been at this now for more than a month. It's been a fun time. We kick things off in 1968, right? Then we jump ahead to 1978, 10 years. Then we've got another seven years before Day of the Dead, right? Then we have 20 years before Land mm-hmm. of the Dead. And then two years, two years. Yeah. Land, Diary, Survival. And there was a fourth one that was conceptualized. 
I don't know how far he got into the writing. There's actually a, a fifth one. There was a treatment um, for Twilight of the Dead. There's also the Diamond Dead, which was supposed to be a rock Ooh, musical. That's sounds... a rock opera. Uh, okay, maybe. I don't know. Well, I just remember reading about it around the time. No, I believe it exists. I'm I'm thinking about whether or not I would want that. Oh, um, oh, I see. I do not want that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, interesting thing too. Like Twilight of the Dead was kicked around. There was a treatment written 2017 though, hmm. right before he died. Um, because hmm. mm -hmm. what? Yeah, and it's still potentially being made somewhere. Yeah. As recently as as a year and a half ago, I think there was a discussion about his um, is it his his surviving daughter, maybe? I think it's his ex wife. His ex wife. Okay. Yeah. Suzanne, Suzanne yeah. Romero, or mm -hmm. his, his wife when he passed away. Yeah, I think that he was divorced when he died. I'm not positive. Oh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I know he divorced Christine, who was his movie-making partner. No, you're right. Dawn and Day. He was married to Suzanne for the last six years of his life. And yeah, that's a weird move. Yeah, now she's going to make Twilight of the Dead. Um, weird yes. move to be with somebody for so long. <laughs> <laughs> six years before you die. I mean, of course, you never know you're going to die, but yeah. when you're an old man, mm -hmm. 62 yeah. years old, 63 years old. I mean, obviously, he hadn't, he hadn't retired his dog, um, you know. Yeah, that's true. The writing that still... scene for Tomboy and all that. <laughs> um, Eric, would you like to guess where this movie was shot? Oh, well, given that I looked up some of the actors, I'm going to say Canada. <laughs> Yeah, we're back in the Toronto. I need a fun name for Toronto, like the Couve. The ta yeah, the taunt the 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 Toronto. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not that good, but I'll take it. Um, yeah. So apparently, this movie was inspired by a William Wyler Western named The Big Country, hmm. with, with quite the cast: Gregory Peck, Charlton Heston, Burl Ives. Gene Simmons, not from Kiss. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you fucking crazy. <laughs> J-E-A-N. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I guess the, the premise of this movie, um, it's an epic, and uh, obviously there's, there's some um, feuding, right? Some uh, Hatfield and McCoy-style family feuding. I think so. I'm yeah. not talking about Steve Harvey. <laughs> Wait, what? Family feud. Oh Harvey. yeah, okay. Even as long as he's been there, I still don't. If you say Steve Harvey, family feud is not the first thing I think. Of. Yeah, you think of the Kings of Comedy. Yeah. Now, if you said, I mean, Richard Dawson is pretty inescapable, but even like I associate Karn with Richard Karn more yeah. than more than Steve Harvey. Karn um, on Cobb, isn't that the fake book from the Detroiters? Of that okay. Richard Karn writes. <laughs> Karn on the Cobb? Like it's Karn on the Cobb or Karn on Cobb. I can't remember if it's uh. like a book about Ty Cobb. <laughs> Karn on the, the Cobb. It yeah. is the Cobb, yeah. Yeah. Man, I've never watched the second season of that show. I gotta get that. It's I really get funny. Into that. Um Okay. Yeah, but it is about Ty Cobb. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that's a great joke. And those kinds of puns, you know, they 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 get beat to death sometimes, but you get a good one, and you're just like, yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Um, oh, weirdly, mm-hmm. in that same scene, uh, his it's Sam Richardson's girlfriend is reading a Steve Harvey book. <laughs> that must be a family feud joke. Yeah. It's, it's Steve Harvey reacts to messes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's pretty good. Um, okay. So here's a quote from Romero. Uh, ripped from the from the pages of Wikipedia, um, he says the idea was to make a film about war or entities that don't die, conflicts, disagreements that people can't resolve, whether it's Ireland or the Middle East or the Senate. That was the idea, and then I decided that was the best way to depict it. And then I had this other idea about an island would be a logical place for people to go, an idea I sort of played with in some of the other films. So I said, okay, the best way to tell this story, I think is to have a protagonist go to the island only to find out that it's in the middle of basically a war that won't die between these two old guys. And the moment that came together, I remembered the big country. I'm always looking for something different sort of stylistically with these films, so they're not the same, which makes it more interesting for us as filmmakers. All the people on the set, production design, DP, good friends of mine, we sort of work as a big family. So we all sat down, and I made everyone watch the big country. And then my thought was, hey, why don't we go full on with this? Go widescreen. Not mute the colors. Really try to make it look like William Wyler. So that was something we did as a fun exercise to give it a different taste. Did they succeed in making it look like an epic 1958 Western in widescreen? We will see. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll discuss <laughs> that. Um, so, you know, some interesting ideas. Um, arguably a more um, well-formed kernel of an idea than i think that he had with diary of the dead yeah yeah i don't want to get into our ranking which we will do at yeah, the end of this episode we will. but Stay that tuned. is that was definitely this is a more this is a this is a movie <laughs> yeah this is a film with a concept and yeah uh, and and he executed i think the things that he wanted to do um you're running back essentially the same little general crew as uh diary of the dead here uh so as always written and directed by romero uh once again produced uh by peter grunwald mm-hmm. um and uh and a woman named paula devonshire as well um we've switched up um our cast obviously same dp same editor, same production companies. So it's it's you know this is unlike really any. I I, I think this is mostly a rarity in this series. This is this is sort of the most DNA two movies have shared. Um, mm, yeah, because even though Di- or, sorry Land of the Dead was was just prior, that was a bigger studio movie, right? This was yeah. This was sort of the new, the new modern, uh, cheap run and gun Romero crew. Yeah. Did they have the same DP? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, no, because he worked yeah. with the DP on other for Dawn on other movies, but not. Yeah, that was his DP from Creep Show, I think. And yeah, and like Night Riders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, yeah, in, in speaking about the cinematography briefly, so we are, we are still in the digital era now, but at least this is, 
So these are, you know, pro level digital cinema cameras as mm-hmm. opposed to the sort of prosumer look they were going for in Diary of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have any specific complaints about the quality of the cameras themselves. Um, Eric, you uh, made a joking aside in a text message just just prior to recording. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to say what, yeah, what exactly sure. it is? Yeah, sure. Okay. Share with people. Before the call, Mike was meeting with his psychiatrist um, online, <laughs> and and he said it would be 15 minutes, and then it went a little bit over, so I had, I had texted him, being like, hey, we doing this? Mm. And he's like, oh, sorry, we're going over. I'm like, why did your psychiatrist say that? Actually, I prefer the look of Canadian TV shows. <laughs> and then that just got you going. I mean, if she had, I don't think we'd be recording Ooh, even woman? now. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd still be on that Zoom. I'd be getting charged for double session. <laughs> um, it's Canadian. There's no way about it, around it. Yeah. There's no way about it. Um, no other way about it. It looks Canadian. Yeah. Um, does that lend? No, it doesn't. Lend. It doesn't. We can, I mean, every, this is, that's like code for, we don't like the look of it. Yeah. It's overlit. It's it so is. overlit. It's so overlit. Jesus Christ. They're like outside in the middle of the night. Yeah. And there isn't even like, there isn't even like a, a like a key side and a fill side on anyone's face. It's just no, like, it's just like all washed out. Yeah. You can't even see the shadow of the tip of someone's nose. It's just like, nope. It's all yeah. It's all lit, baby. That was my biggest complaint visually. I think the daytime stuff looks pretty good, especially yeah. on the island with like that mm-hmm. foliage. That looks cool, right? Um, again, we're kind of getting into criticism here, but um, the nighttime stuff just like looked so, mm-hmm. yeah, too clear. Agreed. Very much agreed. Um, okay. Uh, cast. We have. I mean, it's not saying much, but my wife just burst through the door. Come on in, Kenda. It's okay. We're recording. Did you Fine. hear the little tag I put at the end of the last episode? Uh, no, I didn't. I will. Hold on. Vamp for a second. She's trying to say something to me. Okay, sure. Um, If you didn't listen to the last episode, yeah. I put in mm-hmm. Mike saying, Kenda, do you mind not drilling? <laughs> <laughs> do I really sound like that? That's you should listen to it. It's okay, pretty good. I will. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. You know, she's doing some amazing home repairs. I love it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Oh man. If she wants to make some noise, that's okay. Uh, every time I leave for more than two days, mm-hmm. I come home and there's something new or rearranged. Yeah. My wife cannot stop. Does, is is Jess on TikTok? Is it all Instagram? Um, she's mostly YouTube and Instagram. YouTube. She's, okay. she's not on TikTok, but yeah, Ken- I, it's all the same content. I think. Sure. Yeah. Kenda, it's like tiny home DIY. TikTok. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah. I mean, we've said it for a while. They should hang out. <laughs> yeah, they should more, mm-hmm. uh, more than not at all. Uh, okay. So the cast is just the tiniest, subtlest of upgrades mm-hmm. from Diary of the Dead. Uh, we have returning in our, I guess, arguably as our protagonist, but it, it's debatable. Yeah. Um, Alan Van Sprang, 
Uh, <laughs> I got Van Sprang last night. <laughs> it's like, hey, did you see that blonde walking down the street? I got Van Sprang. Sprang. Um, that was a bad. I was trying to come up with something more specific and funny, but I just no, that was good. I liked it. It was fumes. Um, returning uh, to to re-inhabit the role of Sergeant Nicotine Crockett. Um, <laughs> what fucking name? Yeah, guy. I, I I didn't remember. I saw. So I looked back to mm-hmm. when the last I saw this movie, um, and it was August twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Which I think you might be able to read between the lines is I was fucking drunk when I watched it. <laughs> this is like height of pandemic, sure. like what's going on? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, apparently he's in Land of the Dead too. He plays someone named Brew Baker, but I don't remember him. Uh, Romero loves him. Yeah, different different guy, uh, different character I should say in Land of the Dead. Also, different character in this movie. He just happens to appear in. Diary of the Dead as a soldier, so he was like, "We can use him again." But mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's a it's a pretty big pivot from like an anonymous antagonist to now I'm the protagonist of this movie, mm-hmm. uh, which could be interesting in in, in a certain context, certain context. Um, Kenneth Welsh, did you recognize him, Eric? Out of the gate, Kenneth- Patrick O'Flynn. Patrick O'Flynn. Um. No, I didn't recognize him, but he seems like somebody I probably have seen before. I you have, you've seen him. I would, I would say many times. Really? Yes. Uh, oh, oh, he's Wyndham Earl. You know, I feel like I'm supposed to reveal these things to you, so so that it can be like a fun, like, oh, really? Instead of. <laughs> Well, I mean, you get the same sort of reaction, only I did it. Yeah, I know. You did it to yourself. Tell me this, Eric. Well, I don't want – it's not like a power thing. It's just like, isn't it It more fun? It feels like a power thing. (laughs) It's not more fun when we have the interaction instead of you and Wikipedia having the interaction. He just passed Um, away, too. He did very recently, uh, last year. Aged 80 uh, in where? Ontario. Oh. The Terrio. <laughs> the Anta? Yeah, I mean, he looked quite different, I think. He did. Um, and uh, it didn't have an accent. The accent actually did throw me. Yeah, well, he's not Irish. I mean, I can't I can't speak to his family's uh, lineage, but he's a lifetime Canadian. He, he was born in Alberta. Huh. Um, but, you know, a dramatist. He, uh, you know, he went to theater school and did the festival circuit for a while. Um, I, it's funny. I eventually I put it together that he was Wyndham Earl, but I saw him and I immediately, I was like, that's the guy from the day after tomorrow. Oh yeah. Who is, I want to say he's not the president. He's the guy who ends up becoming the president because the president and the vice president, he might be the vice president. Anyways, the president freezes to death, you know, mm-hmm. um, that movie's kind of fun sometimes. Anyways, he's in this. He's uh, an adult actor who who acts in things. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, a bar that not everyone clears in these films. <laughs> I like him. He's all right. Um, Kathleen Monroe plays his twin daughters. That's quite the reveal. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. I guess I'm spoiling the whole movie. 
Um, <laughs> she plays Janet slash Jane. Very creative names for those twins. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The two Janes, they call them. <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. I'm looking at Athena. Um, what's her name? Carcanus, Carcan, which is weird. There's a, that's a fantasy world in uh, this fantasy series I just read. Carcanus, Carcanus, yeah, Carcanus. close enough. Okay. Anyway, she does a lot of uh, a lot of voice acting for little kids shows. I did see that. Yeah. My Little Pony, and yeah. here she is, jilling off on a fucking jeep. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping back to Janet O'Flynn for a second. So that's Kathleen Monroe. Eric, she's Canadian. I, I did realize that. That was the person I was looking up. Yeah. Um, she does does some things sometimes. Yeah. She's sort of a, a recurring, yeah, like supporting TV actor. Yeah, there's um, a lot of TV. A lot of TV. Um, was And then I guess the last person who really gets a character to speak of, well, there's two, I should say. There's, there's Seamus Muldoon. Seamus uh, Muldoon. Who's uh, Richard Fitzpatrick, a very recognizable face, but I think just explicitly as a character actor, specifically one who pops up in a lot of Boston-based fare. Oh. Um, I bet you he knows Ken Cheeseman. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. A, a Boston acting teacher for Marvel. Nice reference. Thank you. But yeah, I was looking and I was like, where the fuck do I know this guy from? And the funny thing is like, not from any large role ever, but he's just a face that pops up in things. So he's in, he's best known, according to IMDb, for Goodwill Hunting, mm. um, The Boondock Saints, oh, and The Boston Recruit. Classic. Yeah. Colin Farrell and Al Pacino movie that's much worse than that top billing would suggest. Mm. Although Al Pacino, I think, was already kind of a joke at that point. Mm. What that Pacino's an interesting guy, huh? I mean, De Niro too. De Niro too, but I feel like Pacino's leaned even harder into being a fucking just yeah. Like I mean, he's mess. done the Dunkachino shit. Yeah, and like the, well, the Dunkachino thing is like one of the better things Al Pacino has that done is in the last true. fifteen years. De Niro, I mean, quality notwithstanding, at least you can say, well, he's doing Meet the Parents. He made some, fuck ton of money off of that. I mean, he did a he just at a certain point he just stopped caring it seems yeah he became a paycheck like an, guy yeah yeah except for like the, i mean the irish irishman is pretty controversial i liked it a lot he's very good in it you know yeah. de-aging aside there's <laughs> it is funny to see like a 67 year old male or however the fuck old he is yeah. like trying to be a 30 year old yeah beating the shit out of somebody crawling <laughs> yeah. all over a bridge and stuff and it's like yeah that doesn't look right um but yeah, I mean, and he's in like those uh, David O. Russell movies, which like you know, say what you know, at least those are sort of prestige. Sort of, yeah, yeah, sort of. They're like David O. Russell has has slid back into wannabe oh, prestige. Yeah. Oh, for say. sure. Yeah, um, yeah. So he's he. Anyways, this Fitzpatrick gentleman uh, is Muldoon. He's just a character actor, but he showed up on screen. I was like, I've seen that guy before, and then. The other character who gets a personality, sort of, is a character named Boy. Oh, they, he doesn't have a name? No, he's called, he's billed as Boy. Okay. Which tells you something. 
Um, it's a Canadian actor, Eric, oh, wow. uh, named Devin Bostic, who has, I think, a um, he's he's in all of the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies. Oh, then I have seen him. Yeah, of. Elliot um, watched all of those in like one day. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. I I don't think he is the. Is he the lead? No, you know, I think he's the cool older brother. Yeah, he's maybe like the yeah, that makes sense. He has a larger role in the second one because his name his character's name makes it into the title. Roderick. Yeah, yeah. I, think he, I think he's like an older brother or something. Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roderick Rules from 2011. <laughs> yeah, but he's in all of them as the cool older brother. He's not a wimpy kid. No. He looks sort of like a Poor man's, or or shall we say, a Canadian Lucas Haas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, if you're already uh, kind of like the least uh, successful member of the Pussy Posse, and then you get Canadianified, you're. <laughs> that's, that's pretty. What do you, Eric? What do you think the Canadian Pussy Posse is? Oh wearing? no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got two, one. Two, okay, go ahead. Uh, the Minge Mounties. <laughs> oh, oh! I thought you meant like actors who would be in there. Oh no, that's <laughs> the but, but Minge that's Mounties. A... <laughs> that's really good. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. I like that's that. That's a fun exercise to think about. Who would be in the Canadian Pussy Pouty? Yeah, the, the Minge Mounties. <laughs> the Minge Mounties. Um, I'm seeing too. He's in a couple Saw movies, and so is uh, Carcanus. Oh, uh, she's in a couple too. Yeah, so they I, also that shoot that leads me Canada. to believe those were shot in Canada. Yeah. Um, well, anyways, uh, this movie was made for a budget of $4 million, uh, and it finally broke the spell that we've mm. been sort of puzzling over for a while. It made fuck all. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it wasn't released in theaters, and it was just like on demand or something. Yeah. It had a, a very, very limited release, a just a, a technical release of 20, 20 theaters, but tr- not really a theatrical run. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it, it total box office of $386,000. Oh, my God. Yeah. That so, is quite the hit. It is, yes. I can't imagine since then it's made... I mean, it's just been shuffled around in different streamers. Yeah, it's probably made another hundred thousand dollars in the oh, man. in so the ten ish years since. So yeah, it's a very ignominious end to the Romero filmography and to the Dead series, uh, at least going off of box office. The reviews were mixed. Yeah. Uh, no, no raves. Some pans. Some. Hey, there are some things to like here. I remember back in, I, I saw, um, it was a magazine, it wasn't Sight and Sound, maybe it was, hmm. or it was Cinefantis, Fantastique. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Or um, I remember seeing, they put it on one of their best, they put it on the best of 2009. Okay. Um, which, even at the time, having not seen it, I was like, huh. That seems weird because <laughs> um, I had just seen a trailer and I was like, yeah. I don't think I'm going to watch this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you watched it this week. I watched it a couple times. Yeah. Not this week, but yeah. second time seeing it. Yeah. Uh, would you like to take a, a quick break and then talk about that experience and how it let's, went for you? Let's do it. Okay. Okay. 
Last time anyone counted, 53 million people were dying every year, 150,000 every day, 107 every minute. It had become an us versus them world. All we were looking for was a place where there was no them. Lousy times make lousy people. All the wrong people are dying. This island needs to be rid of them. We like it here. We think the best way of seeing this through is here. We don't want no place. We want some place. Like where? Like an island. It's an island off the coast of Delaware. Come on over. <laughs> the only families ever lived on this island were yours and mine. No strangers. What are you gonna do with them? They're Muldoons. It's up to me to save them. You can't save a person who's already dead. Somebody's gonna find a cure for this. Oh. A beautiful place to live. And to die. Give me some more bullets for this gun. We gotta get these things to learn to eat something other than us. The prologue follows the actions of National Guard Sergeant Nicotine Crockett, who, along with Kenny, Francisco, and Tomboy, desert their posts and rob the protagonists of the previous film. Meanwhile, off the coast of Delaware lies Plum Island home to two feuding Irish families, the O'Flynns and the Muldoons. The former family, led by Patrick O'Flynn, rounds, uh, rounds up a posse to kill the undead on the island. O'Flynn learns that the Muldoons are keeping their undead loved ones safe until a cure is found. Tensions come to a head when O'Flynn and his posse arrive at the Muldoon house to dispatch their undead children, only to engage in a brief gunfight that leaves a woman dead as well. Unable to put the children down himself, Patrick surrenders his weapons when the Muldoon posse arrives. Seamus Muldoon contemplates killing Patrick until Patrick's daughter, Janet, suggests he be exiled from the island instead. Boy joins the National Guardsmen, and through him, they learn of Plum Island. They watch a video made by Patrick and, his, and follow the instructions in it that leads them to a nearby dock. At the dock, O'Flynn and his men attempt to rob the guardsmen, which results in a shootout. Francisco steals a ferry boat and bites off one of the fingers of an attacking zombie in the process. All of the O'Flynn's but Patrick are killed by zombies, and he boards the ferry. During the trip to the island, Patrick says that he sent other people to Plum Island to anger the Muldoons. Pretty good joke. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> when the group reached the island, they discovered that the Muldoons have chained up their zombies in imitations of their previous lives. They also see that the people sent to the island by Patrick have been killed. Patrick sees his daughter, Janet, ride by on a horse, apparently dead and turned into a zombie. Patrick attempts to gather allies when two Muldoons attack them, shooting Crockett and Kenny. 
The latter dies from his wounds and is shot in the head by Patrick to prevent reanimation. Francisco realizes that he has infected himself when he bit off the zombie's finger and asks Tomboy to shoot him to keep him from turning. Tomboy shoots him and then is captured by a Muldoon. Um, Patrick finds out that the daughter he saw earlier was actually Janet's twin sister, Jane. Janet, still alive, joins Patrick and the guardsmen in their attack on the Muldoons. A standoff occurs at the bridge that separates the two families' land, and the O'Flynn group is captured. Boy and Janet escape. Muldoon reveals his attempts to persuade the zombies to eat something other than human flesh, and uses Jane as a test case. He tries to persuade the dead woman to bite her horse, but instead she attacks and bites her sister Janet. A melee ensues and, captures, uh, and the captured zombies are released, consuming people from both sides. Muldoon and O'Flynn call a truce that is almost immediately broken when Muldoon shoots O'Flynn, who pulls a hidden gun and kills Muldoon. Crockett and his group attempt to leave the island. Janet witnesses her, sister's, her sister bite the horse and rushes to tell Crockett's group the news, but before, she, before doing so, she is shot in the head by Patrick, who wanted to prevent his daughter turning before succumbing to his own wounds. Crockett, Boy, and Tomboy board the ferry and escape the island while zombies are eating the horse. Crockett muses about the purpose of war as the reanimated O'Flynn and Muldoon stagger towards each other, guns unloaded, and attempt to shoot and kill each other again. There you have it. Pretty concise. <clears throat> it was. Grateful for that, I guess. It is weird to have two characters named Tomboy and one named Boy in the same same movie. Maybe could have uh, changed that. Boy, Tomboy, Jane, Janet... Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay. Um, Mike, blood and guts check. First yeah. time watching Survival of the Dead. What did you think of Romero's triumphant conclusion? <laughs> well, um, I mean, I think that my 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 response to this is going to be the least surprising thing to anybody who's paying attention who's been watching along with us i i think that i thought what i imagine most reasonable fans thought which is since this is the ranking episode i won't be cute about it it's an improvement from diary of the dead um so there you go you know something about what's going to happen in the next segment it's not a vast improvement um and it's like the you know, the it's like a morbid thing to say because he actually is dead now, but it's like the reports of the death of Romero's like directing ability and career were not premature. It's like what we saw happening over Land of the Dead and then Diary of the Dead and Survival of the Dead is it's confirmed here. It's he doesn't have it anymore. And maybe that's like an it's a, a damning intensely cynical statement but um you know i'll get into the specifics of what really didn't work for me um but overall it's just like it's it's not neither of these last two movies are even really like worthy additions to this franchise like it's better it is what what i thought going into all this which is like it's better if we don't think of these as being part of the dead movies like yeah you know 
All right. What about so, you? Uh, first time out, <clears throat> um, I was very disappointed. Thought it was pr- a pretty miserable mm. watch. Um, now watching it back to back with Diary of the Dead, I definitely agree with you that it is a- an improvement on Diary of the Dead. Yeah. I didn't hate it as much as I did the first time I saw it. Okay. I think maybe because expect I mean I had no expectations going in. Sure. To, to be honest, because I had avoid yeah. like I said, favorite film series of all time. I avoided watching the last one for 11 years. Yeah. You know? Um uh and yeah, we'll get into the specifics, but I still think it's a pretty big disappointment, mostly because it just feels like an old man made it. Yeah. You know, that's mm-hmm. like, it's, that's a harsh, cynical thing to say, but it just, there's no flair. There's Great. no flair. There's yeah. no style, which is, has been a critique of mine with Romero for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I love, we don't have to. I don't have to qualify. I love a lot of his movies. Yeah. But I think there's not an auteur's eye. Sure. Um, and maybe people disagree with me. Feel free to reach out and tell me I'm wrong. Or maybe there is. I don't know. Maybe there is some visual yeah. <clears throat> similarities. But it's with his earlier movies. Then his later movies are all feel very flat. Everything feels very flat. Really? Really? Yeah. So it seems like... As he ages and sort of some of his capabilities fall away or lessen, like you, you look at the things that are consistent um, and it feels like at this point, the only things remaining that are like the recognizable DNA of a Romero zombie movie are, of course, you know, the premise. We're in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. His desire to hang the whole thing on social issues. Uh, I'm not going to use the word satire because I think he accomplishes that clearly most effectively in Dawn of the Dead as far as satire goes. Yeah. But it's like even the first one isn't really satire. It's just like. No, it is, no. It's just like. It's it, a allegory yeah. yeah it's it's issue based it's allegory so it's like that never goes away and there is a sort of um plucky kind of uh, do-it-yourself cheapness to all of these movies even the yeah. best of them but the thing is i think to your point is it's like you have that in this movie, it's like all the inspiration is gone. All the creativity has slowly drained out of it. And so it just feels cheap. It doesn't feel yeah. like the inspired kind of cheap. It's just like, well, no, it just feels at this point, it just feels like he doesn't care about yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. You know, um, I when I was watching this, <clears throat> part of me was like, am I being a Star Wars fan? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like in that, like I love the first trilogy. Yeah. And then when the new ones started coming out, I was like, no, it's sure. not right. right. I think there is part of that. Cause I know people do like this one. I looked on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. I looked at not to, I, I won't call them out specifically. <laughs> I don't They didn't, <laughs> but like a friend of the show who's uh-huh. written to the yeah. past 
gave it four stars. Four stars. Okay. Which I, was surprising to me, but yeah, this movie does have its fans. I think it really truly does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't see it. I don't know why. I'm I mean, not asking anybody to defend their like of this movie. I'm just I don't understand. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that. So I had the experience of watching this for the first time, and as the plot starts to unfold, okay. So there's some things that like you go into it, and you just know that in this era of Romero, there are givens that you're just gonna have to accept. The acting is not going to be impressive. It's not. I do. I do think it is head and shoulders above the last one, though. Absolutely. Yes. There's. There was almost no one in this cast who had a significant amount of screen time that I was like, can this person please fuck off? Yes. Like, yeah. Like what's his name? Kenny. Is that the guy who gets shot? Yeah. Kenny. Yeah. He was, he's like a caricature that if he had had a larger role in this movie, I would have been like, this is uh, like interminable, but yeah, but he's not in it that much. Um, No one is good. Like no one in this cast is like hands down good in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think the people who come closest are, um, uh, O'Flynn, what's Wyndham Earl? Yeah, I can't remember his real name. Mm-hmm. And um, Tomboy, even Nicotine is okay. <laughs> like yeah. I think these are people okay. who are capable actors and would be better in somebody else's hands. Yeah, if someone was actually directing them, like in terms of how to act, which you just get the impression that Romero was maybe never really doing that. I mean, it feels that way. It really yeah. does. Yeah. The strongest actors he has are able to do what they want. And, you know, I won't spoil what will certainly be an honorific that we give out in the next segment. But I think you all probably know who's going to win it. And that person, I think, is just the best actor he's cast in anything. Yeah. Um, Because you go and you look at that person's work in later movies and they're pretty much just doing the same character from movie to movie. Yeah. Right. It just happens to be a really charismatic performer. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like Kenneth Welsh is O'Flynn. He is not bad, but I do think he's hamstrung by doing this fucking Irish accent. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, no, sorry. Maybe you're yeah. leading into another point. No, the no, Irish no. of it all is yeah. so strange. Yeah. Um, I understand that they couldn't shoot in Ireland. It's probably right. too expensive, but this would be a much better movie if it was just shot in Ireland, you know? Agreed. Yeah. With Irish people. Yeah. Who have real Irish accents. About the Irish or something. Yeah. You know, like it makes sense. Like, you know, like we have the guardsmen who leave, maybe they get on a boat, a much right. longer boat ride and land in Ireland or something. I don't know. But were the Hatfields and McCoys was, were they Irish? I don't think so. Maybe I McCoy. I don't know. I mean, but it's, it's, like, it's it would just make it southern guys. Right. There's a lot of things you can do and and you and you just have to ask the question, why are they Irish as you so humorously pointed out, Irishmen living in an island off the coast of Delaware where everybody has an Irish accent. What? Even the daughter who's yeah. born in America presumably. And she's not fucking Irish. That's she, the craziest I know. part. Just give her the uh, fucking American or Canadian accent. Just yeah. whatever. Like a lot of people are like our friend Adam, his mother's British. He does mm-hmm. not have a British accent, you know? Yeah. What? Why are they in Delaware? Yeah. Why Delaware? Yeah. 
I Perhaps know. the least impactful state in the entire country. <laughs> no. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, you, you know what? <clears throat> Delaware is the place where we got to set this. But um, so go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep cutting you off. Well, I was going to say, so I got onto this jag, I think, because what I wanted to touch on was like not knowing where this movie was going to go because I really knew nothing about it. Um, and having it start to unfold... I will say, okay, so here's sort of like, I can walk you through like what my thoughts and feelings were kind of on a beat by beat basis. Right. So as the movie starts, my thought process is mostly these guardsmen and boy are not compelling characters. This no. is not an interesting group to follow, to center as your like protagonist, audience cipher, whatever, every man as we follow through the film, they're not interesting. It's, it's a bad call right off the bat. Mm -hmm. The O'Flynn and Muldoon stuff is potentially interesting, but yeah, it is yeah. hamstrung by its cheapness. The whole movie is, yeah, but it's like, okay, you have these sort of societal things, these new, these new issues that spring up that you have to deal with because of the new world order. That stuff can be interesting. I would point to the apex of that form, uh, Mad Max, right? Yeah. George Miller, specifically, you know, the way things sort of crystallized for, for that world in in the in the Road Warrior and then and then in Fury Road, which is definitely trying to be sort of the spiritual successor to the Road Warrior. Like, he does an amazing job of creating like societies that spring out of the apocalypse and what are the unique issues that would face these people in a completely changed world right and it feels like what Romero's doing here is he's like that's an interesting sandbox to play in and then he plays in the corner of the sandbox for five minutes and gets distracted and leaves yeah you know um <clears throat> we talk about all of the practical things that don't really make sense um but just in terms of like the setting is all wrong, right? We think about what would this movie, I think this movie would just score more points for me immediately if it was like, okay, we're going to play with these themes and what we're going to do, even though it's not the same actors, we're just going to do what happened to at the end of Day of the Dead. They got mm -hmm. in a helicopter, headed, trying to find an island. That's what everybody's always trying to do, right? They're trying yeah, to yeah. fly away and find somewhere to go. How about instead of this dumb Hatfield McCoy bullshit, we had a movie on the island where all those people are actually trying to go. So one of my ideas has always been, why don't they just ever show a either crashed or landed and since um, overgrown WGON helicopter yeah, from, sure. from in the background of a shot. Mm -hmm. That'd be a cool Easter egg from for Dawn of the Dead or Absolutely. Day of the Dead. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah, you're right. Like just go to an island. Those characters can be gone and dead mm -hmm. by now. It's a hard life. I don't think they would make it that long. Right. Um that helicopters there, but this is the society that that started mm -hmm. from there. Yeah. And other people have come throughout the years or something like that. Right. I think that's that's much more compelling. I think you could even play out some of the ideas that he wants to do in this movie in that environment, like, okay, what do we do? I mean, the thing is, is it's like 
Okay, so what's like in your mind, what is the central thing? I don't want to say the theme so much as just like what's the core of this movie? What what piece of it of the plot and the theme coming together do you feel like is the thing that is most important to Romero? Like at its root, what is this movie about? I, I mean it's about this never ending war that will never stop. The, yeah, it's it's like the it's the two the conflict between the two right main guys, the Flynn and, and right. Muldoon, which is interesting and also feels shoehorned into the mythology of the dead world. Yeah, like you could do something much more organic, I think, than than centering it on this age old feud. Like it would. It would also be more interesting because it, it is all... also the conflict between the zombies and the humans. It's a right. similar thing going on here. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I would say right off the bat, one of the reasons this doesn't work is because those things, they don't gel like mm-hmm. like it, like generational feuds and the conflict between humans and zombies. They, they're not the same thing. No, they're not. They're not good metaphors for each other. Right. Yeah. Can... Briefly, um, I don't want to interrupt your point, Mm -hmm. but I do think not just taking – you couldn't just take the script that Romero wrote and gave it to somebody else. And it would be – you could. I Mm -hmm. do think it would be probably a better movie. wouldn't be a great movie. Yeah. But there are – just given the – even the broad pitches, Mm -hmm. arcs in this movie could work. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a broken premise, exactly. I just mm-hmm. think it just needed a little bit more finesse. And I think out, I'm gonna I don't think notes. it's a broken premise, but I think it's uh, a mess of things that never come together. Yeah. So there's pieces of this that could have been spun out into more interesting things on their own. Right. But it's like if you look at the most successful films in this series, which are the first three. They all the one thing that they all share is that their their premises premises are simple. They're straightforward and even though yes, they 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 hang on social issues, they're very easy to explain to someone. Mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead, zombies happen and a bunch of people hole up in a house overnight. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the whole movie. Dawn of the Dead, same thing. They hole up in a mall. Mm-hmm. Right? Day of the Dead uh is a little more complicated and i think a little more muddled for it yeah but it's still pretty straightforward they're the last it's sort of like the last of humanity is holed up in a military barracks and uh there's a conflict between scientists and the military yeah that's still a pretty easy elevator pitch right land of the dead i mean it is you know there's like a, a luxurious place for all the rich people mm-hmm. while the poor people are living in yes. in danger. So sure. y- so I think you are expertly proving my point whether you want to or not, which yeah. is if that was actually what yeah, all yeah, of yeah, Land yeah, of the yeah. Dead was about, it would be a much better movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead we've got all this dead reckoning shit. We yeah. have this conflict between Leguizamo and Baker and the Asia Argenta car- character has nothing to do with anything and it's like, yeah. no, stick with the fucking the haves and the have-nots in the city and make a thing out of that. It's interesting. Yeah. Right? 
Diary of the Dead is straightforward. It's just fucking dumb. It's a bad idea. Yeah, it's just I don't even understand yeah. the concept. And it's really. in the wrong person's hands. Yeah. This is the most complicated premise of any of these movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um and and again, like if you had just zeroed in on one piece of this, like like I the image that comes to mind is like the discovery of the kids chained to the bed, right? Uh-huh. If if the whole thing of this was just like what is sort of the psychology of what do we I mean, first of all, I think you have to try a lot harder because this idea that like we shouldn't kill them is stupid. There's no there, yeah, it's just it's the thing he gets obsessed with. Yeah. And and he never comes up with a reason why. He never exactly, gives yeah. us that's what really yeah. you know, like Jim, uh friend of the show. Yeah. Sort of friend in real life. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jim pointed out that, yeah, he starts toying with that stuff in as early as dawn. You're right. He's right. But there's a point there. I don't right. know what the point is in these last – well, yeah. not, not so much in Diary. It's not really a mm-hmm. thing in Diary. But day, land, in this one. Yeah. I just don't know why that's the thing that he focuses on so much. And the thing is it just doesn't – fit with his creation and i don't know if it's something that he's been wanting to retcon for his whole career but it's like the zombies that he created and made so famous they're not redeemable they're well i mean ultimately i think that's the takeaway with this one yeah it's more of like society's it's more about like our human instinct to want to care for our families even in the face of all this overwhelming right. evidence, and then ultimately it all falls apart and everybody dies. But yeah. it's like, I feel like we've heard that story. Yeah, if that's if that's the one if that's the one thing that makes sense in all of this, what's well, very well trod territory. It's 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 not at all fresh for him. Um, um, go ahead. So I don't forget. I think if people are disappointed with this last movie, mm-hmm. a much better conclusion. Um, even though it does have some similar themes, obviously, is Romero's novel, The Living Dead, which okay. was published after his death. It was finished okay. by another writer, Daniel Krauss, which I read in 2020 when it was released. And it's good. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's not cool. great, but it's good. Yeah. Um, it's more epic in scale. But mm. I would say that is – I sort of consider it to be the conclusion to – and it, it and it's better than these last yeah. couple movies. Yeah. Um I would like to I would like to read that. I think I'm sort of interested. Um I found the uh there are so many things in this plot that are unearned by the script and and or just sort of unmoored. Um everything like everything that that happens with the O'Flins and the Muldoons is half-baked at best. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole argument coming from the Muldoon camp never makes any sense at any point during the entire movie. No, it's never really even clear. Yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> towards the end, like the, the stuff with the twin and the horse is so muddled yeah. in terms of like 
this it, it it's written like you're supposed to be like this is the big like emotional turning point of the movie this is really important yeah and you're like even okay so one he like tries to have it both ways right he has uh is it jane is the is the one who's already zombified i think it's jane yeah okay we'll say zombie twin so so it's like this whole test to see if zombie twin will eat the horse or not is like it's one of those things where it's just like you see this in incredibly cheap poorly written movies where you're like you're like where did this premise even come from why does he think this specific thing is going to happen it's a zombie that doesn't talk there's no precedent for any of this but he's like we're gonna watch tonight tonight's the night we're gonna find out if this zombie will bite a horse yeah why now yeah why this zombie she's been riding the horse yeah and and then so it's like okay so then jane zombie twin bites living twin okay that seems like a statement which is just like this is fruitless it's not he's wrong it's not gonna work right and you're like okay well that's pretty lame but fine at least it makes sense and then how long is it before he completely then tramples over his own message by saying oh then but then yeah she did bite the horse yeah, yeah, yeah. She bites the horse. And it's like, yeah. okay, so what is so your what, point? What, what's going on here? Yeah. Why didn't she bite the horse earlier? Right. And I, it's I just know. like, I don't even know what the fuck he's trying to say. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, To step away from the story problems, mm-hmm. I want to talk. I want to touch on um, a few things. I okay. always... I'm a proponent for casting more interesting looking people in movies, real mm. life people, people sure. who aren't, you know, Chris Hemsworth. Uggos uh, like you. Yeah. Be- mm. Uggos like me. This one maybe took it a little too far. Um, <laughs> this looks like a movie populated by uncles. <laughs> and like Muldoon looks so fucking stupid. Yeah. In his dumb black duster and cowboy hat. And like long gun, like what the fuck? Yeah, it's, what th- look it, is that? It's cowboy. Maybe right. it's an Irishman. He's and an Irish is, cowboy on an island in Delaware. Yeah, and it's like like this. That is some boomer ass fantasy shit. Yeah, that's like this is the old man really coming out. He's a he's a cowboy, but he's old, mm-hmm. but he's powerful. Like it's just like <laughs> it's fucking dumb. Yeah. I agree. Feels out of touch. Um, there's just like a more subtle movie that could be made. Mm-hmm. More subtle choices that could be made that would make this movie better. Um, the CGI is terrible. Terrible. Especially towards the beginning of the movie. That yeah. stuff at the beginning is so bad. It looks like a joke. Yeah. It looks like a joke. And that was what kept me from not seeing it because uh, in the trailer there's the shot of the heads on pikes mm-hmm. that they shoot that looks like it's from a video game like from right. doom yeah uh and it's bad yeah bad 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 um, and the movie's kind of sorry no no go ahead the movie's sort of a comedy for the first 45 minutes a little bit yeah there's I like mean, cartoonish shit that happens like when that TNT gets thrown at the wall and the wall falls away cartoonishly and then they're just sitting there with like soot on them. Yeah. 
and like the shooting of the zombie head and just the top of the head skull lands on the neck. That was like, the worst like, effect of, of the whole movie. I it think was really bad. Did. Yeah. Um, I mean, it all adds to the just like you've used the word weightlessness in the past, but it's like this whole movie just has no oomph behind it. Yeah. Like, uh, I want to leave story stuff behind, but I think a thought that occurred to me to just sort of summarize maybe what my biggest interest or not interest in uh, my biggest issue with the whole story and script writ large is just that there's like the emotional storytelling is like, it's almost non-existent. It's like characterizations are, are rough and shallow and their motivations don't make sense they're not driven by emotion they're driven by weird plotting that doesn't even make sense as like we have to do this for plot instead of like emotional character notes and and it's just like when you try to take apart like what is the story that's happening here and with story it's like what's this the emotional story mm -hmm. what is the story between these characters it's just not there none of it connects yeah. it's it's just like a it's just like a potluck of i have an idea what if this happened what if that happened and it's like it's a it's a script written by george romero that needed a writer's room it yeah. needed a whole show's worth of people to be like okay george wants to do these things how can we make them all make yes. sense yes yes and no yes. one ever did that no you know all right <clears throat> i feel like we're gonna be circling the same stuff i um, do want to say also the music mm -hmm. sucks the music is bad uh the effects are terrible. The other, the last thing I wanted to really gripe about is, and this has been happening over many movies, but it's like what a zombie is, what it does and what it looks like. Like you, you would be forgiven for thinking that this was just a movie made by a completely unrelated person in a completely unrelated franchise. Oh yeah. It's like, now they sometimes they don't like there are there are moments in this movie that are supposed to be reveals that someone is a zombie. And I have to guess from the music cues. Yes. Because it's like, I don't know, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like anything. It looks like they had a bad night's sleep. Yeah. There's like bags yeah, you're under talking their about eyes. Like Jane on the horse, for instance. Jane on the horse or Muldoon at the end, like this yeah, dumb yeah, yeah. He final just, like, shot. Yeah. Right. Oh my God, that final yeah. shot. Yeah, Muldoon and O'Flynn, both of them. O'Flynn, he's just bloody. He, yeah. he's, it's just like, well, it just looks like he got his ass kicked. And and he's it's been like, shot. He's been shot. I didn't even know he was a zombie. I was like, is he a zombie? He's staggering, which I yeah, guess yeah. is means someone is a zombie. But it's just like the makeup is an absolute afterthought. Um, we've fallen so far from yeah. the apex of this series. But then it's, like, behaviorally, too. Yeah. And it's, like, I know, I bet if, if Romero was here to argue with me, he would be, like, they're changing. That's the point. The dynamics yeah, yeah. are different. But it's, like, you never, you didn't support that with, like, the movies don't show us that. You're just saying it. You just drop these newfangled zombies in, and it's, like, now they ride horses and deliver the mail. And, um... You know, they uh, they will sometimes wait for 45 seconds to try to bite someone for dramatic effect. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just, and, yeah. And 
like I said, elements of that, like the zombies returning to the mall because that's what they know. That's been there. Bub. I just... That's the least interesting thing to me about yeah. them. I, I don't care that the mailman still wants to deliver the mail. Yeah. He's still going to fucking bite my face off. Right. <laughs> that, to me, is the more important thing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and and I just think that there's not nearly enough pipe laid in this movie especially, but even over the course of the series, if he wants to say it's a gradual thing, to ever um, explain why Jane would be galloping around on a horse, fine, whatever. She liked riding her horse. Past 10 living humans who every other zombie in the first four movies... All they want to do is bite people. That's their whole fucking thing. And she's like, nah, I'm riding my horse right now. So I'm going to ride my horse right through this group of people and just go somewhere else. And it's like, this is a different movie now. It's a different franchise. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Well, not nearly enough pipe laid will be the name of my memoir (laughs) at the end of my life. (laughs) Nice. All right. Uh, So for deaths, we get uh, this little opening standoff between the Coast Guard or the guards, whatever. Uh, DJ gets turned into a zombie and then gets shot. Lou gets his face bitten and then shot. A zombie gets shot in the field. Oh, by the way, I on this one I determined, you know, the last movie. So perfect, perfect mm-hmm. way to work out a system. I'll only note notable zombie deaths. Okay, that's fine. Um, I'm glad we got around to that. Yeah, <laughs> Beth gets gunned down in her living room. That's the uh, the mother. Um, CGI heads get shot on pikes. A, a zombie gets fish hooked, and then <laughs> another zombie gets blown up with TNT. Uh, the sniper on the top of the fishing shack gets shot. There's the fire extinguisher zombie who gets the fire extinguisher put in his mouth and his eyes pop out with with CG foam. Um, two gets shot in the ferry by Cisco and Tomboy. A dude gets his throat torn out. All the zombies that are killed by TNT. All the zombies we lost in the TNT explosion. <laughs> um, Damn you, Ted Turner. <laughs> zombie gets stabbed with a wiener fork. Um, there's that flare zombie who gets shot in the mouth and then his mm-hmm. head kind of lights on fire. Muldoon, a Muldoon gets shot in the woods. Kenny gets offed. Tomboy Mercy kills Cisco. Chuck is gunned down in the streets like a dog and devoured and torn up. A dude gets his throat ripped up. Uh, a guy gets scalped. A zombie accidentally gets an axe through the head. O'Flynn gets shot in the back by the bastard Muldoon. Muldoon gets shot with a derringer to the heart by O'Flynn. Janet gets bitten by Jane and then Mercy killed by O'Flynn. And then, yeah, that's that's our deaths. Um, I can go first. Sure. I don't really have one. Yeah. I truly don't have a favorite kill in this movie. I don't mm. think any of the CG. I guess the guy getting torn apart because it's like a pretty classic Romero yeah, they, movie guy getting but, his, uh, tor- sure. torn in half. But I would argue even then the way it's cut together is so. It's not great. Like, you can't even tell what the fuck's happening. He's like yeah. lying. He's like lying on his stomach, but then in other close-up shots, it seems like they're ripping his stomach open from above. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna have to say none. Yeah, 
Um, That's sad. That's it sad. is sad. It is very sad. Um, oh, you know what? No, you know what? I'll just say Cisco getting shot in the top of the head was interesting because you don't usually see people getting shot in the top of the you're head. You're right. You don't see a lot of those. Um, I'll say uh, my favorite death in this film was the little death, Le Petit <laughs> of Tomboy. Uh, <laughs> Furiously double clicking your mouse at the opening of the film. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just straight up reaching her hand under her belt to do it too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man, what a fucking movie. Um. Okay. Uh, zombie thumbs up or down? Is this movie gory, Mike? Uh Jesus. Yeah, I guess. I mean. It's not not in a not in a way that will satisfy any. So it's like no for fans of gore, thumbs down. Yeah. If you're if you're worried about whether or not you can show this to a child, yes, it does have a bunch of stuff that like would scar a young person. I yes. Guess. Yeah. Yeah. It would freak out my son probably. Right. But yeah. So yeah. in that's... five years, it will no longer freak him out. Right. <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah. I agree. Uh, thumbs, I I guess technically thumbs up. Okay. Um, ghost thumbs up or down? Is this movie scary? I'm gonna have to go say no. I don't think this movie is scary. Fuck no. Um, yeah. One. Uh, I'll, I don't want to have a long winded out because I think we've 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 beaten most of these dead zombies enough or eaten most of these eaten live horses. these dead horses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, these live horses. But this movie, amongst its many sins, uh, an abject failure in developing tension of any kind. Yeah. There's there's never anything in this movie where I care about the um, God, yeah. well-being yeah. of any character. There's no, like, <sighs> the Hare Krishna zombie coming up the stairs to get Fran yeah. while the other guys are doing stuff. She has no gun. There's nothing like that. No. Nothing. No tension. No, no tension. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's sad. All right. Finally, wed, bed, or behead. I mean, it's probably pretty clear. Um, I, I do think, uh, you know, technically I enjoyed it a little bit more this time than I did mm-hmm. last time. Yeah. I don't think my enjoyment of it, it's going to go up any further through yeah. the years. Um, I just think it's a goofy, weird little thing that doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a grand statement that the final living yeah. dead movie in my mind should be it's a direction it feels half-heartedly directed yeah um half-heartedly written i mean maybe full-heartedly written just not, not great uh yeah so i'm gonna have to go with a, a behead for me okay yeah um yeah i You've heard what I think about the movie. I think it fails in in most fundamental ways. What it feels like to me is, you know, it's like an athlete who comes out for one season too many. Uh, Romero should have, at the very least, retired the Dead series or done what a lot of older filmmakers do, which is, you know, he could shepherd a new director in 
to do this. And I would have, I wish we could have seen that. I wish we could have yeah. seen him hand the keys to the kingdom to a young director that he thought was talented. Yeah. That he thought was interesting and wanted to see what their take on the series would be. And he could have consulted, he could have co-written, he could have done any number of things, but I get why he didn't. It's his, it's his prerogative has always been to kind of, uh, what's the, um, elbow grease spit what's spitting something or other huh there's, spit. there's like a thing where you put something together yourself um, in a cheapish way but anyways i don't know somebody um, write in and tell me what i'm trying sure. to say but uh but anyways it's just like it, it it you wish you wish it hadn't happened almost um the one advantage again is that he at least now diary of the dead is not his last movie yeah because this movie be is yeah, that would be a real tragedy. Yeah, this movie is not the 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 advantage that this movie has, which is a spoiler for the very beginning of the next segment. But whatever, is it's not as annoying as Diary yeah. of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. Diary of the Dead is all of these things a failure in almost every way, and it's obnoxious to watch. This is at least like you're just kind of going, "What are you doing, George? I don't know," but uh, it shouldn't be this. So this is a behead for me. Also. Yeah. Um, oh, there was a point that I, <laughs> a squirrel just ran by my window and I God got distracted. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break. Okay. Okay, we're back. We got some superlatives that we're going to hand out for the Romero Living Dead films. It is cool. I always like when we have the same director for... I mean, I guess we did the two remakes as well, but mostly the same director. That's always fun. All right. Want to kick it off, Mike? Sure. Uh, let's start with a classic, a positive one to get things going on a happy note. And a fast one. Yeah. Best actor. Best actor. All right. Yeah. For me, it is no question. He is one of the coolest characters I can think of. A man I would cut my left hand off to be. Not really. Yeah. I don't want to be in his position, but he's cool as fuck. Mm -hmm. Ken Foray in Dawn of the Dead as Peter. Yeah. Man. Hero. Hero of mine. Love him. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to think of another more correct answer than that one. Um, so that's my answer too. But in the interest of throwing another name out there, so maybe an honorable mention. Um, hands down, it's Ken Foray. If I couldn't pick Ken Foray because Eric took him off the board, I'm gonna say Sarah Polly from Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, she's good. Yeah, I think. She yeah, and, 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 and again, you know, part of it, as much if not more, has to do with just what she brings to the table as an actor and, and less what that role provides for her to do. But um, but it's she's good. She just feels like a real protagonist, like a real person dealing with some shit. So that's my that's my, my runner-up. That's a good call. Um, <clears throat> let's go negative here. 
Yeah. You want to you want to be catty little bitches? Sure. <laughs> Most annoying character. Mike, why don't you uh why don't you take take it away? Okay. Um this is a hard one. It is. There's a lot of annoying characters. Yeah, even the good movies have yeah. very annoying characters. Yeah. Uh there's a long and storied history of annoying characters in these films. Um but I will say you know the one the one that that interfered with my ability to view a movie the most uh you know we talked about it a little bit on the episode and otherwise a uh, movie that I, I i largely like uh i'm going to go with gary clark as the military man steel in day of the dead oh interesting okay. um i find him and it's tough because it's sort of like a it's almost a tie between him and the other one Rickles. Rickles. If I could award like a SAG type ensemble, it's like those guys <laughs> as a duo are yeah. one of the most jarring things in any movie. Because like there's movies with with more annoying characters, but they they kind of fit. Yeah. Right. But those two guys just come into Day of the Dead and fuck everything up. Um so yeah, depending on what day of the week it is, I might say Steel, I might say Rickles, but uh, it's it's that gruesome twosome for sure for me. Um, my pick is also from Day of the Dead. Oh Though dear, I, <laughs> I do want to give a shout out to uh, whoever the guy who plays, um, fucking the Cooper in the remake. Uh, uh-huh. That that is a very annoying character. Loud, yeah, loud right. and big. Tom Towels. Yes. Um, but you know it's funny because day. I mean, the, this is why day is flawed. Yeah. Is are these annoying characters? Mm-hmm. But Miguel. <laughs> gosh, <laughs> for somebody we're I guess supposed to care about. Yeah. He is so goddamn annoying. Yeah. It just. <laughs> just like clutching his several necklaces like, i don't like yeah he's an always annoyed the fuck out of me he would definitely for me he would definitely be in the running for a worst actor award mm. I, don't, I don't know mm-hmm. that he would take it but he's he needs an, a mention at the very least yeah okay. solid All picks. Right. sorry day of the dead <laughs> yeah sorry day of the dead a movie that i do love <laughs> yeah um okay next up uh we're gonna go with uh a film award, so instead of meaning so granular, because there are, I would argue, there are certainly hundreds, and if you were counting every single death, potentially thousands of deaths mm-hmm. uh, across these films, and and what makes the deaths in 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 these movies interesting? Well, it's it's the effects, right? It's the mm-hmm. it's the gore, the makeup, the, all the shit, all so the Eric, actual shit. Yeah, Eric, out of what is your Best effects film in this franchise. Well, not to sound like a broken record, but it's going to be Day of the Dead. <laughs> the does... Lord giveth, the Lord taketh. Yeah, away. I mean, that's yeah. also why the movie is so great. Like, those yeah. are some of the best zombie effects, makeup effects of all time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, once again... I think that there is only one objectively true answer, and this is it. So, again, in the interest of giving an honorable mention, a movie otherwise very forgettable, but perhaps unsurprising because of uh, 
the guy at the helm. I'm going to say that Night 90 uh, is maybe my runner-up. For, for like the look of the zombies and quality stuff? of zombie looks yeah. and zombie effects, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, especially you think of like the only things to me that really are memorable about Night Ninety are specifically some of those zombies in the yes. in the early going, especially the graveyard scene. Uh huh. He does differentiate that film by by presenting more and more unique zombie looks, and the gore is a little bit. Uh, neutered because that movie came out at a very specific time. But yeah. I think the quality on display is very high. And Dawn, though I love that movie, the blue makeup zombie yeah. effects is just like, it looks ridiculous yeah. in, in a fun way. But, it does, but blue is yeah. not a great choice. But there's some yeah. good stuff. The first throat rip in that movie in the apartment. Oh, complex, yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. That's great. Yeah. All right, uh, what's our last one? Finally, our last one is Scariest Movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so interesting I, question. I I think I have an answer. Do you? Uh, well, I mean, I definitely have an answer. So yeah. We came up with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I I went first last time, so why don't okay. you go ahead? Um, yeah. So this one, there's arguments to be made for. I would say probably three or four of these films. Um, but I think. The granddaddy of them all, I think Night of the Living Dead, 68, is yeah. probably the one, even though I didn't see it until probably the 90s, early 90s, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the impact would have been even crazier in the late 60s. But even seeing it 30, you know, 20, let's say 25 years on, it's a very, very eerie, very believable, scary film. And the black and white, which I'm often not a big proponent of black and white, but I think it honestly does help the, the atmosphere. Um, I think that's the one. Uh, I'm in complete agreement. It, it's night, the original night for me. Um, the tone is it, the dread. Yeah. The despair. It's all very disturbing and scary, especially. Yeah. I just can't imagine what it would have been like to watch it at the time. I just, it must have scarred some people. Yeah, I mean, I would love to go be able to go back and yeah. see it like that. Yeah. Okay, those are our superlatives. Congratulations okay. to the winners, um, even Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you found peace, Miguel. Yeah. By go. letting all the zombies in to kill your recently recent romantic partner. Uh, <laughs> trying to, at least. All right, let's rank these movies. Okay, Shall I have a prediction, we? Eric. Will I be think, identical? I think they will be identical. I think this could be one of the most cut and dry we've had in quite some time. I think so, too. Um, all right, so let's start at the bottom. Uh, I just went first, uh, so we'll kind of we'll snake it, right? You okay. go first, then I'll say mine, and then I'll do my next and back and forth and so on and so forth. So pulling up the rear, so just as we do... Uh, our very, very brief review uh, of all the films in this series. Let's see if I can do the dates off the dome. That's mm. That would be exciting. Okay, so we start with the original Night of the Living Dead, 1968. This is the one in a farmhouse. It's in black and white. It starts the whole thing off. Uh, then we have, uh, oh, exactly 10 years later, right? 78? Uh -huh. um, Dawn of the Dead, Eric's favorite movie of all time. 
one of my favorite horror movies of all time. This is the one in a mall. Um, we did also watch The Crazies for fun. We're not going to be ranking that one. No. Uh, then, uh, seven years later, we jump ahead to 1985, Day of the Dead. As we described, this is the Army Barracks one. This is the really depressing one with some very loud acting. Um, then we moved away from Romero directed. We did Night of the Living Dead remake, often referred to as Night 90. Helps you remember when it came out. Mm -hmm. uh, that's directed by Tom Savini. It is a remake in color of the original 1968. Then we have uh, our first. No, not our first. Our second remake. We 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 have a, a long detour. Is it 04? Yeah. Is Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, I think 04. Okay. 04, Zack Snyder's debut. It is a sort of um, uh, an energized uh, retelling of the original Dawn of the Dead, uh, starring Sarah Pauly, like we said, Ving Rhames. Um, early in the new zombie craze of the 21st century, one of the contributors to that, that rage. Um, then we finally get back to George Romero. Land of the Dead. This is the one with... Uh, the city and Dead Reckoning and Simon Baker and John Leguizamo and um, who's the big man? I'm forgetting. Hopper. Hopper does Hopper. This one is 19, not 19, sorry, 2008. Is that right? Seven. Six, seven. Fuck. Okay. I I finally fucked up. Thank you for <laughs> um. Thank you for um. Keeping me out of too much trouble. Okay. And then at this point... Oh, that was totally wrong. 2005. Fuck. Okay, we're both off. Oh, yeah, because it was the year after Dawn of the Dead. 05's Land of the Dead. Uh, then we have another somewhat sizable break between... No, that's not even true, because Diary of the Dead was 2008. Okay, don't even listen to me. Diary of the Dead, 2008. That's the found footage one. It's obnoxious. And then the next year is 2009, Survival of the Dead, the final one with the feuding Irishman and an island in Delaware that we just covered. So, Yo, Eric, Flins versus the Muldoons. We okay. have, uh, and we are going to rank the remakes. Um, yes. Right? Okay. Yep. So we have one, two, three... Original trilogy, two remakes, and then the latter trilogy gives us a total of eight films. What is your last place, number eight? Without a question, we've already said it, Diary of the Dead. Yeah. Movie is, in my estimation, pointless and annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. We are in lockstep here. We discussed it exhaustively last week. Um, it just, it's an unformed idea. It's an obnoxious cast. It's unpleasant to look at. And, um, there's just, there's almost nothing about it that would cause me to recommend it to anyone. So yeah. Yeah. that is also my last pick. Uh, my number seven, not surprisingly, is this week's film survival of the dead, which I also feel like is a failure in most quantifiable ways the difference between Diary of the Dead and Survival of the Dead, what what gives this the slight edge is, I would say, the cast is a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, it's less annoying to look at because it's not found footage, and it's a little bit more original. It's still a real failure in terms of execution, but Diary of the Dead, 
was sort of a failure and also unoriginal in its conception. This one is at least an original failure, although pretty uninspired. So survival, number seven. Yep, I'm in agreement with you there. Survival is number seven on my list for all of the reasons you just said. Okay. Um, all right. So, you know, actually looking at my list, mm-hmm. um, I think this is true for me. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to say my sixth movie. Now we're creeping into movies I consider to be good. Okay. Um, but flawed. Uh, Land of the Dead mm-hmm. is going to be my number six. I think okay. there's some fun ideas. There's some fun action. Um, but kind of a grab bag, a little bit of a mess mm-hmm. in terms of storytelling and and. It just doesn't it's not that neat little package you want it to sure. be. Yeah. Yeah. Um this is the only one that I really even hesitated about. Yeah. These the this movie and then what will come at the number 5 slot for me were the only two where I debated what order they should go in. Um and I'm sure there is some bias showing for both Eric and I in terms of just like preferred eras. Mm-hmm. Uh, and looks that come from those specific eras. Uh, Land of the Dead is my number six, although that I will say the movie that we will that I at least will touch on right after this is, uh, I mean this is a more inspired film. It's a more yeah yeah I would argue it's a more interesting movie that perhaps even justifies its existence more so yeah um, but. It just in terms of which one would I want to watch again anytime soon? Unfortunately, this takes uh, the latter position. Then my number five, which is Tom Savini's Night Ninety. Mm-hmm. Um, not this is this is the only one on this list. This is this is the the midpoint of the list, literally and figuratively, where where I kind of say I'm not ready to call this movie good. Um, but I didn't have an unpleasant experience watching it. I have notes for it. I think that it is, it doesn't do much in terms of differentiating itself from the original other than being newer and being in color. Like I said, Tom Savini's effects are, are solid and give the movie a plus up, but, uh, it is a little bit of a mess in a number of ways. Uh, it's just that it's remaking a movie that's so good. Yeah. That getting it somewhat close makes for uh, a solid viewing experience. Yeah. Um, I have Night 90 also in my fifth spot. Um, and it really, this is nostalgia showing mm-hmm. its its place yeah, in the list so. for me. Because it was the first one I saw. I do have a deep affection for it, but I don't think it's a great movie. Yeah. Um, but I think will return to it more than I will land. Right. Although I completely agree. I think land is a more inspired movie in almost every way. Yeah. Um, and if Romero would have left it at land, I would have been like, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, but yeah. So yeah, night 90 is my number five. My number four, the other remake, um, Zack Snyder's dawn of the dead. 
Um, there's a lot of fun stuff. It's a very stylish movie. You know, a, st- a style that maybe has dated a bit since mm-hmm. it was shot because it's been done yeah. by Snyder himself and other people. Um, but it's kind of undeniably well-made Yeah. Uh, for for all of its flaws. It's not a perfect mm-hmm. movie, but it's it, it definitely shocked me after seeing it for being decent being a yeah. pretty good movie yeah for a, a remake of my favorite movie mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i have the same at number four and it's definitely like there's a clear margin between this and night 90 to me like uh-huh. this this is like i said i think this is a good movie yeah um i think you're right on in that the era that it's in and sort of the stylistic tendencies of Zack Snyder make it stick out like a sore thumb a little bit when you watch it these days. But we, we said this many times on that episode, kudos to Zack Snyder for having his own thing. He has Mm -hmm. his own look. He does, he does his own thing. Uh, He does it, he does it capably. And um, he's got a great cast here and he and James Gunn, the great success of this movie is that they that they they took the right approach in making a remake of a beloved film, which is they tried to make it their own, and I think they largely succeeded. Agreed. Okay, so my number three, uh, surprising almost no one. This will be 85's Day of the Dead. Now, if the acting was better in this movie, it would be an easy number three with the bullet way ahead of Dawn of the Dead. This sort of shrill shrieking from, from Steele and Rickles and Manuel. Is that his name? Miguel. Miguel, Sorry. Um, Just like there's some really profoundly bad acting in this movie that hamstrings what is otherwise a very bleak, very well-directed, incredibly well makeup i don't know what you would say but this is like this is maybe the best work tom savini's ever done yeah um it is it's it's like if you want to just watch a movie for zombie gore this is the film to see yeah um but also you've got some really compelling stuff with bub the zombie who has a walkman um (laughs) and he walks man yeah yeah and just in general i think that there's an attitude to this one, perhaps not coincidentally, coming out the same year as our beloved Return of the Living Dead. But there's there's a real, let's say, post-Reagan election nihilism that seeps into these movies Yeah, that is hard to replicate elsewhere. Even as dark as the number two and number one movies on this list are going to be, this is, to me, this is also peak bleak for peak the bleak. Living Dead series. Um, it's my number three as well. Um, and I, it's, it really says a lot for the good aspects of this movie that the bad aspects still make this one of my favorite zombie movies of all time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's still a great horror movie that I would recommend to anybody who interested in the genre. Um, despite its flaws because the makeup effects are so great mm-hmm. it looks cool the music's cool um there's a lot going for it unfortunately there's just some bad ass not yeah. badass, bad ass <laughs> bad bad yeah. acting yeah yeah cool um so my number two 
probably not going to shock anybody, but I want to say it is closer than you think. Mm. My love, uh, it's Night of the Living Dead, the original. Yeah. It's a monumental movie. It's importance wise, I would say it maybe is more important than Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. But enjoyment wise, for me, it's number two. But man, it is a hell of a movie. It's not often that 50 year old is 50 year old movies. What's 60 year old movies? It's 55 years. 55. Can still be as effective as this one is. Yeah, that really says something. Mm-hmm. It feels modern in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, and I think it still can shock people to this day. Uh, great, great, great movie. Yeah, well said. It feels like it could happen. Uh huh. That's to me maybe the most effective and scariest thing about this movie. Um. I watched it as a young kid or, you know, a preteen. And and I was like, oh, my God, this would be really scary if, if this happened. And it feels like something that could happen. And mm-hmm. it's 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 really, really great, um, especially for, like you said, a 55-year-old film, which is not really what we traffic in much here at Killstreak headquarters. No. Um, so I'm with you. It's number two. And that means number one, to no surprise, to no one's surprise, yeah, is the all-time classic, 1978's Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of um, the Dead. I mean, where do you even start? It's, it's it feels weird to try to sum it up in in a few sentences, but yeah. it's my favorite movie. I I have so much fun, and I know that that makes me a bit of a crazy person that this is my favorite movie, but... <laughs> I don't think so. Whatever. It's just such a blast. It's exactly the power trip that you want, that I mm-hmm. want with the zombie yeah. movie of like, oh yeah, I could survive this. Yeah, yeah. I, I could be badass like these guys. Um, but still is, is dark and sad, and I just love those stretches where they're just hanging out in the mall being bummed out. It, mm-hmm. There's just a lot of great touches to this one. It's an epic. Yeah. Yeah. It has the best acting of any movie in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has the best story. Um, and it just, it feels, you can feel what, what it's like. It, there's a spirit to this movie that comes through. Like you feel what it, the environment must've been like to make it. Yeah. You feel the era, you feel the places and the people and it just there's there's something about it that's so tactile and and effective and just it is really one of the great horror movies of all time. Um that goblin soundtrack rules. Yeah. So there you have it. Number 1, Dawn of the Dead, Counting Down, Night of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead remake. Night 90, Land of the Dead, Survival of the Dead and Diary of the Dead. Um, yeah, so we have, we're going to do one movie. We're going to, first time we've done this, cover one movie. Yeah. Uh, and then the week after that, Scream 6 drops, correct? So yes. we'll be doing, um, we decided, we went back and forth. We appreciate the emails we received and the suggestions we've got. A few Let me people... read one really briefly. Sure. So this is from Evan Par- Purcell, not Parcel, Purcell. says, hi, Mike and Eric. I'm a big fan of the show. Listening from Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Oh. I'm loving the Romero stuff lately. Thank you, Evan. I wanted to send a suggestion for your one-off. There's an 80s movie on Tubi called Unmasked Part 25. 
It's a horror comedy, but there's definitely a bunch of kills in it. It's a fake sequel to an unmade franchise starring a British Jason Voorhees type. I'd love to hear you guys talk about it. Anyway, great show. I hope you like survival more than diary. I sort of did. We sort of did too. Yeah, we sort of did too. Yeah. Thanks. So we talked about this a little bit, Eric, the, the, what ultimately led us from away from picking it. I think Evan got the assignment. He understood the spirit Mm -hmm. of what I was looking for. And I want to commend him for that. Yeah. Yeah. You also watched this movie fairly recently. Correct? I saw it. I've seen it pretty recently. Yeah. Um, and so just selfishly, I don't really feel like watching <laughs> it again. <laughs> yeah. Which I understand because I also have vetoed movies for that reason before. Yeah. And that's not a in, um, an indictment on its quality because one of the movies that we were also toying with was Night of the Creeps, which mm-hmm. I love. And we've but I've seen, also yeah. just saw recently. So I'm like, I don't no well i i think that is a great a great suggestion and i think we'll return to that i may watch it on my own yeah um we also had some some other suggestions uh jim friend of the podcast hello again jim uh he threw out uh james gunn slither Mm-hmm. Um, he said it has a lot of vaguely described lore that feels bigger than one movie. It ends in a way where you could absolutely do a sequel. I think those things are true. Um, uh, we considered it. We talked about it again. We've seen it a number of times. What was his other suggestion? Uh, frailty. Frailty. Bit of a dark yeah. horse. And also, there was another one. Uh, oh shit! What was it? It was. Um... It was the one we're gonna do, but he just kind of threw it. Oh yeah, there, that's so. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But that was one you and I had already kicked around, so I'm not giving him credit for that. (laughs) Uh, Um, And also, Peter Harmon suggested Smile. That's right. Which is a recent uh, movie, but Mike's point was, I think he thinks it will be a series, Yeah. so let's just wait to do it when it is a series. So spot on there that, that that will inspire a franchise, but if it does, then we should cover it that way, Yeah. I think. Uh, so that brings us to our final pick, which may is a familiar name. Uh, it yeah. almost feels like it won by wearing us both down. Um, <laughs> but it's come up so many times during the course of this film or this franchise and, and our discussions. And then, as I was telling Eric, the cherry on top was as I was trying to sort of z- zero in on a pick at the end here. I looked up a list of uh, top 10 horror movies that should have become franchises. And what movie, lo and behold, was sitting at number one on the list? World War Z. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen it, so this will be my first time. Um, I'm I'm excited. May as well keep the zombie train running. It does feel right to throw in one last zombie flick here and... um, and I'll say this, I think that, you know, m- most of the credit for this probably goes to Max Brooks, the author of the book. But um, but it, it almost is the movie to me that kind of carries out what I was hoping for more, which is like, what would it be like uh, if we saw more of the exploration of just like what happens in a society and what happens period what actually what are the brass tacks of what would happen in a, in a zombie apocalypse that we haven't seen yet and i'll tell you what i watched this movie like four months ago i'm excited to watch it again this week oh good but i've definitely blown it up too much eric so it was remember uh 
sort of a box office failure. Not really, but um, just l l l we'll do everything I can to lower your expectations over okay. the next couple days. And I'll watch the unrated version of that. Oh too. God, yes, you must. Yeah. Um. So, but I think us doing single movies will be something we do more of in the future. So, mm -hmm. some of these picks will definitely hit for sure. Yeah. Um. Okay. That about does it. We'll see you next week when we talk about World War Z. Um, you know our socials. If not, I don't know. Figure it out. Killstreakpod at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, and as always, what's too bad is there's not another bitch in this litter. <laughs>